0: Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. Um, I first want to say uh, I apologize for no episode last week, but um, I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, I just really want to talk quickly about the episode that came out on June 1st with Traversi. Um that was released one week to the day after uh, the Minneapolis police brutally murdered George Floyd um, And I wish that I would have remembered to take that uh, episode down and wait a week. Um, But what happened was, is I had it all pre-recorded before any of this happened and uploaded and set to pre-release. And then everything started kind of kicking off here in the United States. And to be honest, the last thing I was thinking about was my synthesizer podcast. So Monday rolled around and it released and... um, it was already out for a few hours before I kind of even thought about it and I thought it would have been weird to erase it. Um, it would have been too, too little, too late and maybe an empty gesture. So I left it. But anybody who listened to that on Monday and felt, uh, like, whoa, he's being awfully playful for how dark this is. Yeah, you know, I was getting kind of goofy in the intro and stuff. Um, just know that I had that recorded beforehand and, uh, I wish I could go back to that Sunday night and, and take it down, but I can't do that. Uh, so yeah. And then of course I didn't release one last week because I just have not been in synthesizer brain at all. Um, yeah, I'm what, what's been happening has been, uh, well, I don't need to explain it but it's, it's, this is going to go down in history. I mean, coming out of a pandemic into what's going on right now, um, this is going to be a huge moment in history. People will, this is people, you know, we learned about the civil rights movement and we saw all those black and white pictures of the horrible things happening when we were kids in school. Um, you know, our kids and their kids are going to be learning about how, um, you know, how insane the, uh, the police departments in the United States have been. Um, I mean, I'm trying to find a better word, just absolute, uh, it's not okay. It's not okay. Um, so really quick though, uh, I know this is not a politics show. This is a synthesizer show. And I have mentioned politics a few times. Um, not very often and pretty lightly, I'd say it's probably pretty clear where I stand. Um, but when I have done that, I have had some people, you know, reach out to me and say, Hey, I kind of wish you would, uh, just stick to synthesizers. I don't come here for politics. And to that, I will say, um, yes, I, okay, I understand. Uh, you're right. This is a show about synthesizers. It isn't a politics show. However, what's happening right now is uh, is beyond politi- political. This is not a political thing. This is, this is about humanity to me. And uh, if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know that uh, I have a deep love for humanity. Um, so I'm going to continue to talk about this. I'm, I'm not going to, uh, to be a distraction. I know the, like the news, we get a news cycle fatigue for sure. And I'm sure there's people who have already skipped past this because they're just tired of hearing about it. But, um, the luxury of distracting ourselves is something that not everybody in this country has. Um, so I refuse to offer another sandbox for people to bury their heads in. (laughs) Um, so, but here's, here's the, the, the balance I'm going to find. If, if I choose, if I, if I feel like I want to share something with you, um, you know, a book or a website or, um, you know, something that's going on that I think will be helpful for people to know, to keep in the loop on this kind of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll be. I'll be designating designating some time at the end of the show for that. So if you don't want to be part of it, I don't want to force you to be a part of it, but I do want to ask you to join me in trying to activate ourselves for agents of social change, um, for good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't force you to do that. So I'll, I'll be talking about it at the end, probably from now on. I'm talking about it at the beginning right now, because all of this is very fresh. Um, But if, you know, talking, just thinking about the distractions and everything, this luxury of distraction, um, this is something that I have found myself doing. So please, if you find yourself bristling right now ask yourself maybe why you're bristling to this because this is something that I've had to face myself. But, you know, if you find yourself wishing that the Instagram feed would just go back to being a synth haven or that your, your favorite uh, synthesizer or music or comedy podcasts would just stick to the, the music and, and comedy or whatever, I just, wanna at, just want you to ask yourself, um, why am I prioritizing my want for social media and podcast normalcy over the need for uh, systemic change. Um, and please don't take this as attack. Like I said, as an attack, I have, I've, I've done this over and over throughout my adult life. Um, but we need to start asking ourselves some hard questions with uncomfortable answers. Um, and I'm, I'm pledging to never, to never let this happen again. I don't, I don't want to fall back asleep. I don't want to go back to normal. Um, but I want, I don't want to just be outraged. I want to, I want to find ways to, to activate myself. And so as I talk about this, I definitely want to address, uh, the phenomenon known as white knighting. Um, you know, white people having, having the delusion that they can be some sort of savior. Uh, I definitely want to, you know, keep, keep a check on myself as far as that goes. But, uh, I also know that as a, as a, as a white person, um, That my participation in this is is absolutely essential, Um, but there's a fine line to walk as white people in all of this, and because the majority of my listeners are middle class white males, I just want to share um, kind of some a list of guidelines because I I know this is it's 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 a touchy it's a touchy area, and and it's it may be kind of hard to to know uh, what to do, so. I'm just going to read you this, uh, this little list that I found. It's really nice. Uh, As white people, our participation is essential. Essential, but it must be appropriate. Attend protests led by people of color and Black Lives Matter uh, leaders. Listen to the requests. Do not incite violence or initiate looting. We are guests at these events. Uh, white silence. By failing to do anything, our silence is damaging. Um, so we can avoid this by uh, educating ourselves Uh, so people of color don't have to, um, so don't call your black friend and say, Hey, what do I need to do? Like you can do the research and figure this out yourself. Um, you can donate to, uh, bail funds. Black-owned nonprofits, individuals, organizers. Uh, You can sign petitions, engage in conversations with family and friends, spread information about upcoming protests, gathering, call local jails, public officials to demand the release of those arrested during protests. So this is all kind of like immediate action that we can take. Um, And yeah, I I really, really would love it if you would take some time to try to, uh, you know, find the, the best way you can activate yourself within your own community. Another thing to keep in mind that we can't take an entire system down. We're going to have to take it down microsystem by microsystem. So find out who, what district you're in, uh, who do you need to call for your area, what's going on in your area, and also um, get to know some, some good news sources, some uh, you know independent news sources in your area. I've been out here in Seattle and I've been to three, three different events in three different neighborhoods. Um, and I've seen little coverage of some of these events that I've been to, which have had 5,000 or more people. Um, and the most coverage that I've seen out of Seattle has all been, uh, about what's going on on Capitol Hill. And it's, uh, and it's been highlighting, it's basically been telling the story from the officer side. So, um, But we've seen the videos. We know what's happening. Uh, So just try to try to know that the mass media is really, really trying to, to like, you know, inaccurately report on this, and that's who a lot of our older family members are listening to. So we need to have those conversations. Um, So yeah, this is going a little long, but I I can't not say anything. Um, I small as it is, I do have a platform to get out there. So if, if I can reach, you know, anyone out there who's maybe hasn't been activated by this or feeling confused as as to what to do, then I hope that I have, uh, you know, help inspire you to get into the fight because it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. This is all of our fight. Um, I'd like to end, this little, uh, pre intro here with a quote from a book that I'm reading called carceral capitalism by Jackie Wang. Um, it's, it's been in- incredibly informative and, uh, yeah, it's just some, some hard facts to learn. And especially considering how inactive I personally have been just kind of like, what, what have I been avoiding? Um, and this is stuff it's, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but we, we gotta we have to know it. Um, so I just want to read this really quick. It says, Blackness is associated with guilt and criminality. For this reason, it is counterproductive to con- to construct an anti-racist politics founded on the moral framework of innocence, whereby only quote unquote respectable subjects are considered proper symbols for the contestation of racism. The framework of innocence, which fetishizes passivity, delegitimizes militant forms of revolt that may be more potent in actually changing racism. So, again, that's from Carceral Capitalism by Jackie Wang. And I think that's really, really its something that I think a lot of white people need to hear. Um, Okay, so thank you for listening to me fumble my way through this. It's uh, it's, it's tricky ground to cover um, while trying to remain, um, you know, appropriate, woke, and intelligent. So, um, you know, I may not have an A plus right now, but I'm studying and I'm going to be working on that. Uh, I'm going to put some some links. In the show description to some places that I have set up uh, donations to, I'm going to be dom- donating uh, 20% of my Patreon. Um, actually, more than that, I think. I think I have it set up. I, I don't know what the exact percentage is. That doesn't matter. I'm just going to be donating monthly to um, a couple organizations, and I'm going to put the links to those in the show description, but I also urge you to maybe check out how you could best support uh, you know, organizations closer to your community. Um, cause like I said, it's, it's, it's these micro systems, uh, we're gonna have to change to change the entire system anyways. Um, yeah, let's get into this episode with noise engineering. Thank you so much for coming back to Padre the Modcast. Okay, we already did the intro thing, but I do want to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Needham Woodworks, the most beautiful Eurorack cases. Uh, This side, or both sides of the Mississippi, in my opinion. Um, Also, there's a new Motormatic. Uh, It is a ring modulator from Recovery Effects. It's the new version, which is 3 HP and under $100. It rips, and we're going to be demoing that uh, soon. I'm going to be showing you some cool sounds that that makes pretty soon. Um also want to tell you that uh, After Later Audio just released a, a really handy little utility module to HP. It's called uh, Gates and Triggers, and it takes your gates and turns them into triggers, then it takes your triggers and turns them into gates. So that is uh, a very, very useful utility module, and they've got new stuff coming out. I know I keep saying that, and you're like, when is this coming out? It, it will be this summer, and uh, I promise you. You're going to be uh, you're going to be really stoked on this stuff that After Later's coming out with in their heritage line. Um, yeah, I really wish I could tell you about it, but I cannot. Um, I also want to say uh, I was recently on uh, Ryan Dunn's podcast called The Rat's Nest Podcast, and it's a it's a, it's like a podcast all about a patch, like a, like it's a from the beginning of a patch to the end, and I play my guitar through uh, a bunch of stuff, including the Pure Ruina, and it's uh, it's pretty wild, gets pretty out of control. So please go check that out, and I want to say thank you, Ryan, for uh, having me on. Also, uh, just a little warning that the audio quality on this is not going to be that great compared to other episodes, because we recorded everything on Zoom because there were... there were five of us um, in four different places on earth recording. So to try to get all, everybody to record themselves and then to stitch that all together, 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 together would have been uh, a pain. So um, I just want to uh, thank you for, for putting up with that. Well, you'll get used to it in 30 seconds and then you won't even notice it. Um, and then finally, one last thing, Patchworks is offering curbside pickup right now and, um, and they are offering free shipping everywhere in the US. They've got new products from 4MS, Intelligel, they got restocked uh mutable instruments, they got WMD there, they've got After Later Audio, they've got uh recovery effects they've they've got it all and it's not just modular stuff they've got they've got electron stuff they've got moog stuff they've got Korg stuff so please head over to p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s dot com that's patchworks.com okay so we have we have four people from noise engineering on today so thank you for joining me all of us (laughs) yeah okay nice it's very cool um And, uh, you know, we don't have to get into it too deeply, but I just want to thank you guys for joining me today because this week is pretty rough. Um, Our country is in absolute turmoil and everybody's really upset about it. And, uh, you know, Chris and I were kind of discussing whether or not we wanted to do something like this because neither of us were feeling very synth-brained, but we both decided that maybe this would be a good thing to kind of get our heads out of it and have a little bit of positivity in it. So, So thank you guys so much for giving me your time today um, and uh, yeah, with all that said, Chris and Steven, how are you guys doing since you've, what's, what's been up since the last time you were on? <laughs>
1: wow, well, a <that> lot was <laughs> <quite> <laughs> years
0: ago
1: yeah. now.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, wow, well, a I mean, lot has changed.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the most obvious difference is that there's four people now instead of two um, mm-hmm. in terms of at least our
2: We've doubled in size. The company's
3: progress, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, yeah, things have been going really well. Um, we've people like our stuff. We like our people. <laughs> like we put out probably at least twenty modules since we last talked. Um, I
0: was gonna say I don't want to do a full recap because of how prolific you guys have been.
3: <clears throat> yeah, we've spent a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And hopefully more to come, though this year has been um, slow. slow for so many reasons. Um, yeah. But, you know, things are, particularly the issues relating to manufacturing and sort of the COVID stuff are starting to kind of clear up, and we're actually seeing some progress in hardware for the first time in six months, really, um, which is great. So hopefully we'll be able to get some stuff out
1: so soon. So
2: people that are seeing... <laughs> Uh, on a pretty much daily basis, when we'll have dates for all of the things that we have announced, uh, the answer is
0: hopefully soon. <laughs> it kind of blows me away that people are still asking for things like hard dates in this <laughs> world. Like no, like haven't, haven't we all caught up to the fact that like, like uh, you know, an approximation within a couple of weeks span is as close as we can get these days.
2: Maybe have a
0: couple of weeks.
3: Yeah. So.
2: Uh, We don't even have a month yet for most of these things, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm also really happy and, and, uh, grateful that people are that excited about our products. So, you know, I can't be too upset about it. (laughs) It Just means that they're excited.
0: Well, just speaking of products, I mean, we can get into it as much as you'd like. Um, but, since i've i've got you guys you know fa- as fa- as close to face to face as we can get i have to say um thank you so much for introducing me to pure Ruina. that thing has been that is a revelation to me i love that module so much and i've been actually processing my guitar through my modular a whole lot and it is so much fun to just with that cv control and all the different outs and the different it's it's just uh yeah, you guys I feel like I feel like you really hit a a, a a cool, unique mark with that one. So yeah, I just gotta say personally thank you for that one. Awesome.
2: Thank you. That one's pretty underappreciated, I think. Um and maybe it's because it was at the end of a long string of them and so people mm-hmm. were distorted out.
3: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Over
2: distorted, <laughs> saturated. Saturated <laughs> with
3: distortions. <so>. Um, <laughs>
2: but uh that one is my favorite
0: of the five of them i i love that thing yep. it it's seems also, to be the most like controllable and unique of all the distortions you kind of mm-hmm. released too like uh, um, i had kith ruin as well and i think that was really cool but i just love the amount just all the different options of routing and stuff and yeah yep
3: yeah it's, it's a little hard to explain which is i think is another reason why it's kind of a little laggard on the sales department but yeah. um it's definitely my favorite of the five distortions we put out that summer. Because um, yeah, exactly like what you're saying. Like it's a really, it's like this really sophisticated tone control almost. Um mm-hmm. But it's not like an EQ. Um I don't know. Yeah, I use it. I have two of them in my fun case. So. <laughs>
0: So, all right. Well, I want to talk about that for a second because that's kind of funny. What's what's the fun case? Do you you like your test? You have a testing case and then a research case, or how, what's the division there?
3: Sure. I mean, the fun case is the case that I put together to actually like you know make music and not test products. And yeah, there's always always some overlap, um, and. And nothing in the case is quite normal. Like there's a lot of prototypes and, you know, just kind of what we have laying around in ends up being a little on the odd side. Cause a lot of it's prototypes, like the PRs I have are, are, um, prototypes. Um, and I have, you know, slightly tweaked stuff in there just cause it's what I have. And I'm always playing with new ideas that may or may not be products. So there's some kind of, I mean, there's always little product development, in it. but yeah, it's primarily the case. I just use that one Um, the, later on uh when we switch to the the musical interlude later on uh, it's that will be that case okay um, cool so you'll see you'll actually see it um.
0: so it's cool to hear that you you actually find some time to play because i i have a lot i know i've talked to a lot of people who who make modules and one of the biggest laments is i hear is well i wish i could actually play with all this cool stuff that i make or even have that my friends make and like chris do you find time to to play as well or
2: not as much um i my main hobby at this point is getting away from it for a bit but i i I also, I mean, I always have a case together. Um, right now, the case that I have together is kind of a shit show that needs to be completely reimagined. <laughs> uh, um, I, I specifically put a case together of things that I knew didn't go together.
0: Uh, I do that sometimes. Kind of
2: and, yeah, just to make me think about how to make those things go together. And it turns out they really don't go together. Uh <laughs> so I need to sit down and take it apart and put something else new together. And I just haven't sat down and taken the time to put a new concept together, but I have been quietly hoarding a box of modules in my office. Uh, So, um, I, I have, I've started that process.
0: Well, that's, I'm glad to know that at least part of your brain is, is, is thinking about that and allowing yourself to have that. And I was just talking to, um, one of my students before this and he was asking me if i had watched you know so-and-so's live stream or something and i i to tell him you know i spent sp- spend so much time creating the the content and like demoing stuff and editing and stuff when it, by the time i'm done with the work side of it i'm more off into like watching you know s- s- stupid movies or russian mo- you know russian films that are too complicated you know i'm just kind of like <laughs> not in synth brain so i i i wish i could so I guess I kind of I kind of see where where you're coming from with that kind of wanting to get away from it sometimes. Um, but uh, okay, so the last time we had you on, it was just you two, and I think you guys were just kind of both. You were you were transitioning into noise engineering being like the full time gig. Um, and since then, you've brought on two more people, and they're with us today. So um, I'd like to hear how, like, what was that? Uh, what was that like? the buildup to that. And like, that must be exciting as a, as a small company to get to a point where you're like, Hey, we need help. And we, we can afford and figure out how to do it. So I'd like to hear that progression. And then get to know these, these gentlemen.
2: It was exciting and terrifying.
0: I bet. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> because, you know, when you take on an employee, you are responsible for that person. And, um, Uh, you know, I, the last thing I wanted to do was take somebody on and then, you know, six months later say, Oh, sorry, just kidding. I can't actually pay you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a good thing. Um, Marcus was our first hire uh, and he, we met Marcus actually a long time a while before that. Do you remember how long it was before that?
4: I was about a year and a half before.
2: Um, And he just, was this guy that we kept seeing places. (laughs) He just kept showing up places. Um, And uh, he, at some point I I said, we had had a long backlog of modules that, uh, prototypes that needed to be tested. And we're like, we need help testing these. We can't get through all of these. And as you probably know, in the modular community, there's a, a big tradition of people Doing, you know, reaching out to friends and having them test modules and, you know, getting feedback. And I said, "Hey, how about that Marcus guy? I bet he would be good." We <laughs> keep yeah. seeing him everywhere, and it turned out he lived not too far away by LA standards—20 uh, <laughs> miles uh, or two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I reached out to him, and he turned out to be really good at it. So we talked about it and. Uh, at some point, we're like, "Hey, you're you're really good at this. Do you do you want to get paid to do it?" <laughs> uh, and so he was initially part time, and then more recently has become full time. Uh, okay. And then Encore was almost a year ago now. It's coming up on his one year. Uh, and you want to talk a bit about that?
3: Sure. Um, that one was maybe well, in some ways, way more complicated um, in that. We actually reached out to a lot of uh, places um, to try to find candidates. It was a more of a traditional job search and we actually interviewed people and that was definitely a learning experience. Um, um, but yeah, we, we found Encore from the uh, Harvey Mudd, um, uh, I'm not sure the name, but it's a music group. What, is, what was the name of the?
5: Oh yeah, it was the Harvey Mudd uh, Jam Society. Which is a, a small group of uh, just musicians on Harvey Road campus that have access to a jam room with the drums and guitar and stuff.
3: So we sent an email to their list basically and Ankur responded and we talked to them. Um like Even him hired. spring break <laughs>
1: responded.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so yeah, and he uh just uh Ankur is hired as an engineer, so um because uh, well, previously, well, not that there was a lot. i uh, particularly a software engineer. Chris has taken actually up a lot of the hardware um, bandwidth, um, but we were really needing some more um, just time spent writing software and firmware, um, which is where, what we were looking for when we found Encore. Um, so, yeah, we hired him. His first day was almost exactly a year ago. Um, and he's uh, – brought a lot of really interesting things that are going to really change our product interface to the table, I suppose. I mean, particularly we're we're doing a lot of integrations with, um, with web interfaces. So like we have a product that's coming out that has a, it's a USB
2: We'll let
3: Encore talk about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> we can get there. Uh, I just uh, there's there's uh, there's going to be a lot of really cool things um, that have come from his hiring. It's really
0: okay. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, really ask really with because you guys, you know, you're you have a lot a lot of digital aspect to your modules, but then you have a lot of you know um, you know soft synth stuff going on too. So I was wondering if like, do Encore do you cover both sides of that, or do you kind of like specifically focus on the soft synth side of it?
5: Uh, it's so far. It's been mostly uh working on firmware for our modules, so getting okay. chips on our modules to do what we want them to do, uh, okay. and less on the software side. Um, but that that might change, you know, anytime depending on the needs, I suppose.
0: Okay. Yeah, because yeah, Chris and Stephen, I think when we first had you on, I think you were just gearing up to do the Five U stuff and. A lot of the uh, the soft sense side of it. I think that For was reason. kind of you had yeah, just released. launched it, or you're about to. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's, I think we talked a lot about that. And just um, before we get to know Marcus and encore, um, since that's what we were talking about when you guys released it, and you're still doing it. Like, how much how much has that changed what, what you guys were doing? And, and how, has it been rewarding and frustrating both? Like, how has that gone since we last talked?
2: say pretty much everything we do is both rewarding and frustrating.
0: An <laughs> upside, <laughs> <laughs> there's always a downside. There's
3: yeah. No question yeah. of it.
2: FiveU um, um, has been um, a learning experience. We've done four oscillators in FiveU now. Um, and we are expecting to do another release in Five View, but we don't have anything official yet. Um, And then the soft synth, we've done the Reason rack extensions, uh, and those were great. Um, The Reason community is fantastic Mm -hmm. um, and have been incredibly receptive, uh, and we definitely would like to get back to that at some point, but it's not in the immediate plan, Um, and we have lots more more things in, in the pipeline.
0: So yeah, that's something else I wanted to talk to you about because Reason is something that is, you know, it's 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 a it's a household name as far as electronic music making goes. It's it's much broader, you know, than than just the Eurorack world. I was curious if you have you noticed um anybody kind of coming into the Eurorack fold as a result of finding your stuff on Reason and then saying, "Hey, wait, would they make Hardware versions? Wait, what's all, you know, like, have you noticed, have you heard any stories of anybody kind of like discovering modular through your stuff on Reason?
2: Good question. And I don't know that we would actually know that.
3: Right. looks um, like we've that. ever been told that. Yeah,
2: yeah. We don't have a way to actually track that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I haven't heard any stories specifically. Uh, but Reason is such a modular, as it were, format anyway That's true,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. that
2: i suspect if you know anything about hardware you probably know that modular synthesizers exist if you're doing reason stuff
0: mm-hmm. but, yeah i remember my friend was using it a while like well this was years ago when he first got into kind of you know he was using massive and he was just kind of exploring all sorts of stuff and he was just blown away at the modular aspect of it but even years later like when i got into modular i had to like be like hey look at this and, so he didn't quite make that that leap because some people do just have it kind of in their heads in in the box. So yeah, I am. There has to be people out there. There has to be at least one. And if you're listening, let Chris and Stephen know that they're <laughs> responsible for your your addiction. <laughs> I mean, um, there's, there's definitely the opposite where
3: people who aren't into Iraq but are who watch it yeah. uh, mm-hmm. are excited to use the reason sense because they've seen our other stuff. Um, like that's not uncommon at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so Marcus, where were these places you were lurking about that? that, that a, <laughs> to, to <know. laughs> Yeah. So,
4: so before
0: I joined those engineering, I was trying
4: to kind of do everything. Um, I was interested in music production and, uh, sound design, that sort of thing. I, I did an internship for a film composer. I did some, uh, Contracting for another software company, um, just doing uh, conventions and that sort of thing. Um, I think first time I met Chris and Stephen was probably at a Perfect Circuit event, um, and then I ran into them at NAMM a couple times. Um, so yeah, I, I've I've tried to do a little bit of everything, and that eventually led me to to noise.
0: Okay, so it and what's it just like in a nutshell your kind of your background as far as you know musician. Engineer, all of that stuff. How did like where where, where did that start, and how did you get where yeah. you're at
4: now? So um, I started playing piano and violin when I was, god, like four. Um, so music has always been an interest. Um, and then when I was uh, about fourteen, I got interested in electronic music and that sort of thing. I started teaching myself production. Um, met some people in the software world and got kind of interested in the music tech side of things. Um, Then right as I was, I think getting out of high school, I bought some of my first modules and then uh, now I live in a cardboard box in an alley. Um, So
0: uh, (laughs) you're getting into modular in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm young. I I joined noise
4: when I was 20. Um, So, okay, cool. I've, I've, I, that was around the time when I was thinking about like music tech more as a career, as opposed to the Mm. kind of artistic side. Um, Cause turns out being an artist is is kind of difficult. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who'd <laughs> have thought? Um, so, and I, I'm still pursuing those sorts of things as more of a hobby, like I'm doing some remixes and things for an artist right now. Um, and I obviously use a lot of modular, I um, have a little modular wall next to me right now. Um, so I really enjoy making music um, as well as kind of working on the tech side of things. Um, it's kind of nice having the balance of like seeing how these things are used really informs how product should be made.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, beyond just testing stuff, like what can you give us like kind of a brief description of of what what your uh, your your duties list at, at Noise is?
4: Yes, uh, it's long because I do a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> so I break modules. Uh, I did. <laughs> Uh, he he literally has caught them on fire. Oh before. God! Yeah, no, I, I have <laughs> well, over here. So I have my my normal, nice urat case, and then I have what I call my fire case, which is just <laughs> whenever I get a new module, I plug it in there because I have had things catch on fire once mm-hmm. or twice, and that <laughs> happens once, and you just you get really worried about it. So <laughs> yeah, always
2: complaining that he wants more fire, and then we give him fire, and then he gets mad. Yeah,
4: yeah. First time it happened, I like flipped the switch. It was like poof, and I was like uh... <laughs> Stephen Something's <laughs> wrong um, it, it was memorable um but yeah, so I, so I break things um I do a lot of the stuff for our blog um so we have a, a weekly blog and I write a lot of the posts there um create uh content around that as well So youtube videos um I do a lot of our social media um I do a little bit of customer support, so if you send us an email and ask about how you use a particular module. You'll hear from maybe me or Chris. Um, So I do more of the like talking to people side of things. Chris does the actual like tech support engineering side of things. Um, And then, oh God, I feel like I do a lot of other things that I'm forgetting about right now, but yeah, I do do a little bit of everything. You
2: do the art, you do the manuals. Oh yes,
4: I write manuals and I do uh, the art for the, uh, actual modules. So the, the base plate design, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Manuals. That's something that seems to be kind of uh, a hit or miss in the modular world and the kind of sometimes hard to come by. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you have uh, you have a concentrated effort towards that. And that's gotta yeah. be kind of, that's gotta be a really hard thing to do. I imagine like it's, I sometimes yeah. I write reviews of modules for wave four magazine and that is hard. So I can't imagine trying to actually write the technical thing that's guiding a person through it
4: yeah well so so I'd been in modular for a few years before I came to noise obviously um, and I'd always been really frustrated when you know you buy a really cool module that can obviously do a lot um, but it's you know digital complicated there's no documentation you're kind of searching through forums trying to figure out what you can actually do with this thing what's the button combo to do with that um, so it's it's one of the harder things to have to do it's definitely a challenge every time i have to write a manual and we always go back and forth a lot on it but it's also very rewarding knowing that there is hopefully good documentation of our products out there so that if somebody has a question they'll have somewhere they can look
0: okay cool yeah well well as a user i just want to personally say thank you because having a good manual is is makes all the difference (laughs) yeah it's really (laughs) make or break
2: tim what do you think makes a good manual
0: Um, well, I've been, that's a great question. I've been thinking about that, um, lately because I'm trying to, uh, you know, be kind of environmentally conscious about that because my first thought is, well, I want a physical copy. And then I wonder, well, is that kind of maybe a generational thing? Do I need a physical copy? It feels good to open a box and have the manual be there and not have to look for it online. But then I kind of thought about it for a second and was, uh thinking well it's how hard is it really to look it up like do i need so i guess the progressive side of me wants to say like i don't need the physical copy but i do like having a physical copy that comes with it so i can just instantly hit the ground um what i have found um you know obviously having it well written and uh you know in terms that people who aren't engineers can understand i think is really important my what I what I love the most about some recent manuals I've seen, I think the first one that I saw do this, I don't know that he's the first person to do it, but um, Eric Schlappi from Schlappi Engineering would always include a couple um, kind of like uh, what's the word like not tutorials but like suggested patches, like you know with a picture of it and dial this in and this is what's happening in this patch and and kind of like doing a couple of those to kind of show. The um, maybe the the versatility or range that a module is capable of, and if you can kind of show the four corners of the the capabilities of it, you can kind of have some some nodes in your mind to work off from there. So that that's yeah, that's kind of what I, I personally look for. But I imagine like all of that is so much easier for me to say out loud than it is to make <laughs> you know to manifest it into reality. Yeah. So
4: having the uh, the graphic examples is definitely. Helpful, And we've tried to do that for a few of our modules. Uh, the the Similis and the Cursus Territas Percedo, and I think the Equalica Territas Um We have um, patchbooks on the product pages, so you can see you know, a few different patches, like how to make a from, how to make a snare, how to make some other sounds that are kind of basics, but kind of run the gamut and show you what you can do with these modules uh, in a very kind of broad service-level sense.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe... Maybe a quick start to kind of meet in the middle of yeah. the the not being too wasteful, a quick start thing. And then say, you know, on there, say, visit our website for you know, patch suggestions and more detailed information. But like, yeah, maybe just like a little card of like, this is the general, this is what the basic information to get it to do the, the most basic function that it can do. Um, but again, I think I think I'm a little old school in that way. I don't think, you know. I'm 36, so I imagine people, you know, five years younger than me, and then below are probably not as concerned with physical copies as I am. So, well,
4: it's funny. One thing that I've had to learn um, when doing that sort of documentation, especially, is like you and my definition of basic will be very different from yeah. somebody else's. Um, mm-hmm. So, a quick start for somebody might need to be how to actually plug this thing in. Because um, I remember when I bought for my first module, that was a terrifying experience. Of am I going to blow this thing up? Is that a thing that can happen? Um, it's still scary. me
2: Sometimes it <laughs> <is>. Yeah, exactly
4: <laughs> um, But, uh, you know, once you get to a certain point You know what terms are So maybe if I reference a sample and hold Then you'll know what that is But for somebody else, they might not know that concept So it's getting the right balance of Quick and not too basic But also not too brief Can be really a challenge So it's definitely yeah. something to think about a lot
0: yeah, I could see that being a hard hard kind of like w- how to navigate that. But as a user, and maybe I'm being a little harsh, but I'd I'd like to think that if you are to the point where you're buying modules, it's not on the company <laughs> selling you the modules. It's not their responsibility to explain to you what the synthesis chain is <laughs> and what the concepts are based. You know, so like I think, yeah, but, yeah. But, where, but where does that line end? Like sample and hold is a little bit more of a tricky one to des- describe to somebody who doesn't maybe know how this yeah. stuff works, so...
4: Yeah, well, that's sort I've, of. Yeah, sorry. Um, I've I've enjoyed the the blog for that um, because I can yeah kind of go into whatever we want to. You know, we had a blog post about sampling, all, we had a blog post about how to plug in a module, um, and we've had some much much weirder blog posts. Like I had a series about um, mastering and mixing and um, percussion synthesis that go into you know deeper, more complicated um, subjects. So it's it's nice having that space as hopefully kind of a reference for if you need to find yeah. something. The info will be there.
0: And well, I'm happy to hear that. Are. I'm happy to hear that you're with through the blog post. You're covering stuff even as basic as how to plug in a module because something that I've learned from just doing the show and having you know people contact me for various reasons, and then now I'm kind of doing I'm doing these. Uh, they're more consultations than lessons, but but because of the COVID thing, I'm out of work, so I've just kind of been trying to make it up with that. And one of the things that I've really learned through those two aspects of what I do is. Um, there's always new people coming in. So people are always going to have these questions. And so it's easy for us who have been in it for a long time to forget, you know, but like when you are getting into this, there are so many questions. And and one of the, ma- the main things I really hear about lately is mixing and mastering and inter- just interfacing your stuff with what you're going to record with. So I'm happy to hear that you guys are still kind of Keeping your head in that headspace and, and still writing about this stuff because every day somebody new is coming into this, you know. So that's that's it's a good perspective to to keep as a company.
2: Well, and whatever your level is, it's our job to help you get the. If you buy our product, it's our job to help you get the most out of it.
0: Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, and that's a two-way relationship. It helps you as well by because, like, I would say, like, if there's one thing you guys are known for is having extremely versatile sonic qualities within one module i mean like i know you're probably tired of hearing about the bia but like it's, it is yeah. what it is because it is like it is the module i i just by the way i've had i've had just the bassimilus eteratos forever i finally got the bia so i'm just so excited yes. nice congratulations <laughs> yeah it feels like a good graduation up Um, So Encore. can we get a little bit of your background and then leading up into what you're doing with with noise engineering?
5: Yeah. So uh, a little bit about me is I actually spent all of my, like most of my formative years growing up in Mumbai, India. Uh, So like elementary school, middle school, and high school, uh, I was living in India. And then I came to the US to Claremont, California for for higher education. Uh, And yeah, I was uh, that, that was I started college in 2015 2015 to 2019 and then last year as Chris said I graduated from there and started at noise engineering pretty much like about a month a month or two after graduation um, and I think yeah between 2015 and 2019 in college I tried to branch out a lot I wasn't really focused on music tech as a, a career option um, but I, I've always had like a lifelong like relationship with music and like uh, uh, where I always had like a side hobby that I was really mm-hmm. passionate about. Uh, I have played the piano and uh, done like taking like uh, Western classical piano lessons since I was six. And so I was I had a, a long standing like relationship with music as like uh, my best, my favorite hobby. But in college, I really wanted to like branch out and do uh, a variety of things within engineering which is the program I was in, uh, but I think after the third year is when I kind of realized that uh, uh, after touching a few different fields through internships and such, that I wanted to like apply the skills that I was learning in engineering to a music tech field, like a music related field. And so I kind of, uh, all, of se- all of my senior years spent like looking for any opportunity that falls under the category of like music and tech <laughs> and that was like a, a pretty long process where also uh for like undergraduates engineering students there's not a whole lot of opportunities like right out of college that you can uh like uh jump into that are like audio tech or music tech right. uh and so it was really kind of mind blowing to me when, when Chris emailed the, this, like, this pretty relatively small club at Harvey Mudd, uh, the Harvey Mudd Jam Society. Like, I don't even think there's more than like 50 people in that club and, uh, uh, sent an email with an open job position. I said, Hey, this is a synthesizer company. Like that would be, that'd be really dope. And something I've realized since working here actually is that, uh, growing up, I think I, like grew up in an environment where I didn't my focus on in music wasn't on electronic music as much as acoustic music mm-hmm. and so I almost kind of turned a blind eye to electronic music growing up learning about music and so just like through college I I I kind of got familiar with DAWs and MIDI programming and stuff like that and so from 2015 to now it's kind of been this exponential curve of like learning and becoming more familiar and more accepting of like Dawes and electronic music production to twenty twenty uh just like diving into mo- uh, modular design and production and I'm, I'm I'm super grateful for that It's been like the most like exciting transition after college uh, that's awesome
0: yeah. and how how familiar with modular synthesis were you before getting hooked up with Chris and Steven?
5: The crazy thing is like pretty much none <laughs> like, <Yeah>. I basically <laughs> didn't know about <laughs> modular synthesizers. Uh, <laughs> and you know how
0: many people out there who you know how many people out there shaking their fists like i want that job <laughs> yeah yeah i know i know i i try to i try to keep
5: this on the down low and i also that makes me like value my my my, my opportunity like so much and I, i'm really mm-hmm. grateful you know like it's it, I, I think that i do i did think that when i was presented with the opportunity it was like it was in a sense a perfect uh uh like meeting of the moment because uh i i had spent the last like two or three years developing my understanding of music technology a little more at least and I was I was just like poised to use tech skills to help out like someone that's trying to make synthesizers, I guess. Like <laughs> that would be the that would have been a perfect opportunity and there it was. So uh I think that um uh it, it it's it's been pretty awesome being able to kind of apply things that I learned. It wasn't a, a complete 180 like turn either yes yeah. it made sense at the time
0: i'm curious i'm trying to find a way that it's not a leading question but you know like modular is so known for the community aspect i just want to i'm just curious of what your your perception of the community coming in into the field was in in like i don't know what what was that like coming into well one you 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 join up with you know one of the for the lack of a cooler term, one of the big dogs of the, of the, the format. Um, and then it's, you realize like, well, I guess I, I'm not going to say what you realized. What was that like coming into this community?
5: Yeah. So uh, right at the very beginning, I mean, I said I didn't really know much about modular since right before, but I would say right, right after I was, I found out about the company and everything, It, it, it my interest in it skyrocketed and I was like yeah. watching videos and reading about stuff everywhere. And, uh, the first thing i'll say about the community is like the people the first representatives of this community that i got engaged with were chris Steven, and marcus and like that was that has also just been a really awesome experience because they're so willing to like teach me things all the time about modular and just like be involved in the conversation about design and stuff so mm-hmm. that's the first thing i i have to say about the community is that like uh, that, that noise engineering has really brought that spirit of
0: learning to me I, and I not, I, I just, I'm sorry to interrupt but I just want to interject really quick that you're not the only person who I've heard this who say that the first person that they met within the community were Chris and Stephen and how th- it was their warm reception that made them feel more comfortable to jump into it. I just wanted to interject that because I think my most recent guest said that about Stephen. So. You talked
2: to Sonda.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
5: Absolutely. Sorry, sorry, Antonio. Totally no, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's true. And past that, uh, at my, uh, I, I went to my first NAM this year, and then that's where I would say I, I interacted with a whole lot more people over the course of a few days. And uh, people in modular seem really excited about modular, which is something that I love.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that is? I'm curious from your, I want to hear what your kind of take on that is. It seems like
5: um, until it seems like there uh, in your in any person's understanding of modular, there's a point before which you're kind of just confused or intimidated by it for for an initial like stage. Um, But then I would say there's like the next stage where you're you're not anymore, or you're just kind of it, it it exists and you're learning about it. And it seems like people that are not intimidated by it anymore uh, see how like powerful it is as a music, like production tool. And I haven't found like every time I learn the next new thing about modular, I'm convinced that it's like helping me get to a result like so much faster. Mm -hmm. So I think it's literally the power of the technology and the fact that people that are using it, uh, have, have, like some experience of music, so they see that like they can use mod to do like a lot of different, really cool things they yeah. like did not do before.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, It's something I've 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 been I think I think I've mostly made up my mind about it, but it's a lot of what exactly what you said. But like, what is it about this format that makes people so like? How is it? How is it simultaneously one of the most open and welcoming things, and the most powerful thing, and it's the most. You know, it's the most daunting thing coming in. And I think it's, I think everybody re- remembers what it's like being so confused by it. And then also remember how excited they were when they fully like saw its capability. And it's almost like a crazy religious zealot who finds the word of God and must spread it to other people or something.
5: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I see that. I think, I think that the, 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 the kind of, uh reality check that comes in there is um just the fact that it's like an expensive hobby
0: yeah yeah
5: <laughs> but but as i think if you can afford to like have this as a main hobby it's like very accessible and very like the technology itself yeah
0: yeah and every, you know getting into it like i was really worried about the price getting into it and everybody told me like you'll figure it out and you you, you find ways of making it work and um yeah. So it, it but that is one of the downsides. But luckily with, you know, st- you can get in reason and start learning about it before you commit to to buying a rap. So right. um we kind of brushed over it a little bit when we did our initial introduction, but what would you say your duties at Noise Engineering are?
5: Uh primarily a uh, firmware engineer for our modules, so modules that have that are digital. Uh I help write the firmware for those. Um and Lately, uh, we have been, there's been an ongoing development effort to get uh, new web interfaces to our customers that we haven't released or uh, announced a whole bunch of those yet. Uh, but a lot of my uh, work is in that area as well, the web uh, interface development. Okay. So, so it's kind of those are the two prongs.
0: Chris and Steven, I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to put my old guy hat on here for a second. But one thing that I do notice about... Um, the modular community generally is it it tends to kind of be older, older people, but uh, you know, I, you, here in, here in Seattle, like we, we have our, our, our younger, you know, what we call our kids, but they're like in their twenties coming into the whole thing. And I'm really excited to see what people like Marcus who are getting into modular in high school, like what are they going to be doing you know, in 15 years with this stuff. But like, I'm wondering, like, how much of a conscious effort was that on your guys's part to hire, you know, younger people, younger minds into the company? Or did it just kind of work out that way?
2: Well, Marcus, okay, we definitely <laughs> didn't know that Marcus was 20 when we
0: had him. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely look older than you are, also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were pretty surprised
3: when he was filling out his employment documentation. And we were like, Wait, he can't legally drink yet.
2: <laughs> like, what? His first nam that he did with us, he wasn't 21, and I was like, oh, man, how do you yeah. nam without a drink?
4: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Well, and after that, we did the uh, the whiskey tasting event, which was like a month before my birthday, which was just so sad. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, all kidding aside, uh One of the things that we talked, well, so Marcus sort of was just right place, right time. Um, And it was, we just happened to find him and he was the right person. Um, But again, we thought he was probably 10 years older than he was. Uh, (laughs) I hear if he shaves that beard off, then you can tell how old he is.
0: Yeah, I look about 12 without a beard, you know. (laughs) Same here. I'm 36 and I look 12 without a
2: beard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When it came time to hire Encore, uh, we had a lot of conversation about um, who we wanted that person to be from a diversity standpoint. Um, And we... You know, as the only woman in the company, I was pulling for a female. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we really were just trying to maximize diversity in any way that we can Mm -hmm. uh, and still have the right candidate. Uh, Age is something that we definitely need to uh, think about when we hire because we can't all be the same age and have the exact same perspectives. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, And so we definitely wanted to go with somebody that was younger. Um, Also, I think Marcus was lonely. Uh,
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the dogs are nice, but you know,
2: <laughs> they're even older than we are.
0: <laughs> you can only talk about your favorite kind of tea for so long, you know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, then no, we don't get any of Marcus's memes, so <laughs> so true.
0: So
4: true.
2: <laughs> he doesn't get any of ours,
0: right? right. So
4: true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stephen will say something, I'll be like, Is that from before I was born? and he'll be like, Yeah.
2: when we released the cip uh we joked that we should have marcus sequence are you down with opp which tim you probably remember
0: yeah of course you know me and marcus just (laughs)
2: stared at us blankly
0: (laughs) that's okay had to send him the link yeah
2: to the song
0: (laughs) (laughs) but all joking aside i think that probably like i the reason I brought it up because it does seem like a very valuable thing and especially with a uh, an industry or scene that seems to be overrun with, you know, I don't know. It seems like on the younger, like I felt like I was some of, like one of the younger people at some of these initial events that I was going to when I first got into it, you know, and um, I'm seeing more young people join up. And like I said, I'm just like, I'm really yeah, I'm really excited to be, you know, a 55-year-old guy, seeing what the people who started when they were 20 are doing with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So So also, I I think something about, like, or Stephen, were you going to say something? No, I mean, (laughs) nothing. Same here. Um, I think something that I've noticed – that seems to be one of the hardest aspects of, of running a modular company is, you know, just having enough people to do all the stuff that you need to do. You know, I'm, I'm good friends with Abe from AI Synthesis and, you know, it's pretty much a one-man operation and, you know, I talked to him and, you know, he he laments the fact of how much of his job really has not much to do with the design aspect. So, you know, now that you guys have a, a couple of employees, do you feel... Like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stress reduction and, and, and whatnot, but do you feel, do you feel more creative or more room for the creative side? Do you feel, has that grown or is it just kind of, is it kind of like adjusting your spending to how much you make a month? Like you're just kind of like, everything's just kind of growing together. Did that make sense? I don't think I used yeah. a very good analogy there.
3: But. I don't, I don't feel like it's a hard question to answer. Um, it's definitely changed the way that we do the creative part of the modules, like deeply, because. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think for the better.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when when when, Rose engineering it was just me, like, our design process was a notebook I had that I would scribble in it at lunch. <laughs> you know, like that was about it. Uh, but now we have, you know, essentially weekly design meetings where we all argue. Um, <laughs> times very loudly about um, what we think about certain you know decision, design decisions um uh and it's i actually think it, it's slowed things down but it made it's made things a lot more mature before we ever get to prototyping stages and our ideas are just generally like like better is a hard word, but like more sophisticated and more whole is really the way I, I kind of view it. Like the products are definitely better for them. um So in some sense, I think it's actually slowed down the creative process, but in a way that actually makes our products better. So
0: no, if that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, totally. I, mean, I could see that.
2: When we have the design meetings, it's all four of us. Um, well, it will either start with the basis of an idea will like get the idea then marcus will flesh out we have a, a format for a file that will flesh out and then i'll put together a front panel for that uh then the next time we meet we'll argue like is this what it should look like are these the right features are these the right functions is it should it be this big should it be smaller should it you know whatever and we argue sometimes for weeks sometimes longer
0: um, yeah months yeah,
2: uh, before we'll even think about ordering a prototype of something
0: well uh, yeah that I can see how that would like you said to make it take longer but ultimately in the end be better um, so the only thing I can liken what you're just talking about is I was in a, a five piece band once and you know I, we'd always have the arguments of mix and or when we should go to the bridge or whatever um, but you know we, we'd find some sort of uh, you know, kind of um, tiebreaker, de- democratic, or like, do you guys have, do you have any strategies for kind of like um, ending something like a, a standoff like this that could last this long? Or do you have anything like like a, an ideas bucket? Uh, or
3: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we we definitely just like retire things. Like, there's been things that have just been like, we're just not going to talk about this for a while. Or, um, I mean, we generally try to reach consensus um
2: and if we can't sometimes things, we just yeah. order a prototype yeah. one way or the other and see
3: mm-hmm. yeah we don't even need to have everyone on the same page as uh, if we can at least get to where we're arguing about certain issues and we're like and we're like okay for this one we're arguing between this and that then it's like okay let's do this one and then we'll see and we'll learn more and we'll be able to come to the consensus more also oh, in, more information so.
4: It's pretty amazing the difference between seeing something on paper and actually using it can be too. Because like you can imagine stuff all you want to, but there are very obvious issues that come up that you wouldn't necessarily have thought about when you have the thing in your hands and actually put mm-hmm. it into a patch.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, one thing that I really had to learn how to do, and you, none of you have to comment because I'm not trying to bait anybody, but just something that in the band situation, I had to really learn how to walk away and see... like am I attached to this just because it was my idea or because it is what I think the best idea is? And I feel like I'm still trying to learn how to do that. Um, <laughs> um, so pre-COVID, um, were you guys kind of meeting together in a, in a workspace and kind of having like an office culture type thing going on? And, and, um, and how often was that and what was that like? Because to be honest, from an outsider perspective, if that's the case, that sounds like a dream job and like a whole lot of fun.
2: We were meeting together in a space, which is our house, which is where we are right now. Uh, uh, and that was a few days a week, um, but not every day. I would not, not, well, I'll let the guys comment on whether they thought it was an office culture. I didn't think it was.
4: But. My desk was a kitchen table. It's, it's, it's an interesting concept of an office. But it, was, it was nice having dogs there, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a good part of
0: office.
2: Although half of their responsibility is to run to the door to let George out so he doesn't be on the floor every 10 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this wasn't in my contract. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I need to revise their job descriptions.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like maybe the, the, the COVID thing wasn't too much of a blow to your day-to-day function then? I'm so Not- bored. Yeah. Besides boredom, <laughs> yeah.
2: Not the way we interact. We are down. To, we do a Zoom meeting once a week now, and that's when we argue face to face. I appreciate you
0: doing this because I know everybody has Zoom fatigue right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, we even even when we were all in the same building, we would still just use Slack to talk to each other. So
0: yeah, I don't think we're
4: actually using Slack any more now than we normally would. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely been, particularly now that we're starting to deal with hardware prototypes again, it's become kind of a pain. Um, Because it's like, we hand something off to Marcus, and then immediately he gets at home and like, oh yeah, we need to make a modification of that. Um, Because like Marcus wouldn't normally do, or isn't equipped physically with the tools to do hardware modifications. So those all have to kind of come through here. So there's been a lot of weird juggling and kind of some role shifting just because of, um, the equipment for some tasks,
0: but, um,
2: And it's a long way for either of them to come to just literally take something up off our porch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to bring up a, a bad topic, but I feel like it would be—I'd be remiss if I didn't at least just do a little bit of a check-in on all, all of you. Like, how are you guys holding up amid this insane world that we're living in right now, and dealing with this this craziness?
3: I mean, for for us, we went from working at home to working at home, right? Yeah, um, with fewer distractions. Yeah. Um, so, in some ways, it's actually been kind of like in our immediate environment, kind of more calming than our normal uh, or our
0: previous. not. So
2: The protests have emotionally affected me more than the COVID stuff has.
0: Same here, definitely, yeah.
2: I mean, and that doesn't, I don't say that to take away from anybody who has suffered from COVID or Mm -hmm. lost people to COVID because we've certainly lost a lot of people, but um, just personally, the protests have been um emotionally more um just on my mind than COVID has
0: yeah and- I, I have to say the same because I'm in a similar situation I was teaching at night but only four hour classes and you know working on demos and recording stuff during the day so like my half part-time day job was all at home as well so not a whole lot changed for me and like Steven said it was it was kind of like oh I don't have to hope that my friend cancels on our plans tonight. You know, like, (laughs) there are no (laughs) plans. Yep. What
2: about you guys?
4: Mine, my work has kind of shifted just because I was used to going over there three days a week um, and then working at home too. Um, But even when I was at home, you know, if I was going to work on writing a blog post or working on a manual, I'd often go, you know, sit at a coffee shop for a couple hours. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: Coffee's always good. Um, So I was used to having a much more, dynamic kind of workflow and now it's I'm um, here. Um yeah. and it turns out four walls are a lot less inspiring uh than you know outside. Um so you know, the vaulted tra- ceilings
0: help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um
4: yeah so the the COVID situation made it difficult but I kind of adjusted to that. But um yeah just this past week um I'm in Santa Monica. Um so the protests uh went basically in front of my house. Um so that's definitely been very emotional. Um, it's been hard to see, you know, things that have been exposed and, and just what's going on, and having I mean, to hope that things change for the better from this.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Encore. How's your? As as this com- com- comedian that I've been listening to says, how's your how's your COVID? <laughs> <laughs>
5: starting to become a normal question now yeah right yeah uh so i think my work didn't uh wasn't super affected other than the fact that steven and i have way fewer face-to-face meetings now of course um but because i'm not i I don't have to go back and forth picking up and testing prototypes as much as marcus does for instance uh i haven't that that my workflow hasn't been affected as much but yeah with the respect with regards to all the kind of national issues that have been bought, brought to the forefront. It's been for me all about taking it a day at a time and engaging with, uh, m- like moments and activities of like, I guess meditation or calming my mind and <clears throat> i found that to be pretty helpful. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you're all holding up and, uh, that you know as a company you're you're surviving this this storm currently and uh yeah it seems like you guys have come a long way since the last time you're on and we're getting close to the end so i just want to say really quick marcus and core thank you so much it was so nice to meet you guys and have you have you come on and and be a voice of the the company that everybody knows so well um chris and steven you have a synth hooked up upstairs right So what do we, did you guys want to show something or did you want to just do the patch challenge with the synth upstairs? What was, what was your thing? Okay, cool. Let me, uh, let me generate some, some words for you. (laughs) So I've got this, uh, I got a shout out Sam Chittenden. He's, uh, he works with Waveform Magazine. He lives in Colorado. He made me a patch challenge generator.
2: Oh, how awesome.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And if it's actually if you want to do your own at home, you can go to the link tree on my podcast or on my uh, Instagram and it's and it's there. So, it sometimes it it takes a few a few tries to get something, so we'll 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 figure it out, but how I'm going to give you three moods to pick up pick from before we generate okay. the words. So, uh we could go simple easy or um let's see simple easy or Aggressive. Uh, I I th- I think aggressive
3: is probably actually going to be the easiest, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll pick that. <laughs> okay, Cool. I don't think we've done aggressive yet as a mood. So, all right, I'm gonna hit. Give me some words. Headed for
2: um, nice engineering.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes they don't make sense, so I have to. Uh, just keep adventurous barb? Uh,
3: <laughs> like fish
0: Yeah, like like a like a barbed hook, like adventurous <laughs> yeah, like yeah. <laughs> Contrarious businessman.
2: Well, that's you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks. <laughs> I think I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um I I don't know where to go with that, I i i feel like i could i, could, <laughs> I could do totally some fine.
0: i could do some more um some of them are just a little too on the nose to what's happening right now and seem kind of not very sensitive um boulder driving, <laughs> yeah.
3: driving. That's okay.
0: you like that one
3: sure i mean I, <laughs> yeah. it's as good as any so <clears throat> um i guess i should go upstairs yeah um, All right. I will not have a mic up there, so um, communication, if required, may be difficult. Uh, how long is this supposed to go for? Actually, I don't know. Well,
0: usually I give fifteen minutes to make it, and then like a five minute um, like uh, performance, which I can edit. So we could do this a couple ways. We could have you do that, and then I could edit it down out. Or if you wanted to go up there and, and have us kind of like watch it evolve over time, it's kind of your call. I don't want to put you too much on the spot. Um, but if that sounds like something you're into, I don't want to deny you that either. That's fine. I mean, I can just—I'll just go start doing shit, and then if I want to
3: restart, then I'll stop and restart.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, and then and then we'll we'll do commentary on your patch.
3: Right? <laughs> and then you won't be able
0: to hear us, so you won't know what we're saying. I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll uh, really be fun.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, what was it, Boulder? What
1: was the, the... Oh, I just texted uh, Boulder driving. Boulder
0: driving. Boulder driving. Yes. Aggressive Boulder driving. Aggressive yeah. Boulder driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, was it B O U L or I think it was B O L D E R, like like bold, yeah. Either way, I don't think it's gonna matter. So actually, work. yeah. Encore. Um, I had a question for you while we're waiting for Steven to get patched in and everything. Um, do you have a system now and and are you, are you a, are you a synthesis? Are you a modular synthesis now? Have you, have you got the bug or is it, or is it kind of still in a, a work in intellectual spot, spot in your head?
5: I have a case. Uh, let's see. Uh, see, this is a test moment for me. I I, I don't know how many HP this case is, <laughs> <laughs> but I have a little case that uh, Stephen and uh, Chris have, uh, been kind enough to let me borrow and play around with with some of their the modules that they own, and it's kind of like my learning kit where I uh, grab a module from their place and play around with it for a few weeks. And so I've gone down the uh, uh, route of learning about you know maths, uh, clouds. Uh, this is I'm, I'm listing the ones that are not noise engineering, of course. You know most of what I'm learning about is our, our modules. Um,
2: Cause he has and to the, the goal
5: is, yes, <laughs> exactly. And the goal is to uh, have my own system sometime. I don't want to put a date on it, but I'm hoping sometime this year, I'm constantly thinking about like what I would want my system to be like. And I think mm-hmm. I'll go for a, a pretty small system to start out with. Cause I do like to like play the keys and the guitar and, and mm-hmm. sing and, and stuff. And I'm thinking about having it as like a, uh, uh, an aid to all of like kind of the other stuff and focus on live performance. That's kind of
0: where I started with it as well. I didn't end up going there but I'm kind of rounding back to that now. Um I I find myself running my guitar through my my I'm kind of like I only want to do I've got my my BIA right next to my entity percussion which I feel like those two are so complementary like with the the super digital monster and the super analog monster that just they, they, you can make some cool beats with those and so I'm doing a lot of beat stuff and then just like processing my guitar and I'm um, yeah I'm finding less and less interest currently it's always changing for me but currently in um, uh, just kind of making like music with oscillators and you know I'm just like I'm, I'm more interested in the percussive aspect and the kind of sonic wash you know soundscape aspect which is I think where it shines the brightest really so you're not you're not quite composing yet your own music on it.
5: Uh, all the composition that I do is like MIDI programming and sample based MIDI programming in the DAWs right now. Uh, okay. But I, I'm constantly like trying to move it with respect to what I'm using and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I really only started diving into this stuff after 2015. I don't even say like 2016 and stuff. And so I do like to go at it at like... I kind of when it comes down to the art and enjoying it, like my own pace, you know, like yeah,
0: definitely. I think that's perfectly so modular yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I um and keep in touch with me. I want to hear like when you get your own case and once you start doing some vocal and guitar processing stuff, I'd like to check that out. Um, okay. Marcus, how about you? Good. Are you are you uh, making are you making music or do you do you find time to make music or is it kind of almost- a little bit?
4: Yeah, <laughs> um, I've, last couple of years have been unproductive for me but I'm, I'm slowly getting back into stuff i'm working on a couple projects uh with a friend and some stuff but yeah modular is really informed the way that i think about sound a lot which is nice so i'm trying to kind of come at stuff from a different angle now
1: mm-hmm. um,
4: but yeah I, I i do love making music and i need to do it more
0: it's you know i feel i find it's hard for even with me like i got i kind of started a podcast in the hopes that i could get people to listen to my music because it's just so hard to get people but then like the the podcast itself kind of became like my artistic focus so i make much you know not not even close to as much music as i used to um i'm starting to try to find that balance lately and work on an album but yeah it's uh it's it's it sounds if – I, if I heard myself say this you know, two years ago, I may, may have been bummed out about it, but I'm, I'm just as fulfilled as I was when I was only making music. And I think it's really yeah. just about, like, are you, are you fulfilled with what you're doing in your daily life, you know? That's, yeah, definitely. And Chris, how are the, um, how are the pangolins? <laughs> um, pangolins
2: are good. Uh, we pangolins. definitely are pang. – Pangolins, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or so as – uh, Matt Lang likes to call them pain goblins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, we have, where?
0: Oh. Oh, adorable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we uh, have our uh, pangolin campaign ongoing. So anytime you buy a, a manis, portion of the proceeds goes to pangolins, the world's most trafficked mammal.
0: <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know, we, you, you can get uh, Chris's whole background on the academic side, pre-noise engineering, academic work with, with uh, you know, about animal biology, conservation, and whatnot on the, the first episode that we did. Um, Man, that's so so is he upstairs now? Is that kind of the the demo making studio that we're looking out there that Stevens in?
2: That is his office, uh, okay. and uh, that's a corner of his office with his fun case.
0: Okay, that's the fun case. Okay, yeah,
2: I think he is good to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, sweet.
2: Stephen, thumbs up if you're good to go. Yeah, good to go. Okay, I'm going to unmute him.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It was so nice to get to meet everybody. And um, I want to give uh, everybody their last last little bit to scream whatever they want from the Modular Mountaintops. So, um, you know, plug whatever you want or wh- however you want to sign off. Let's start with you, Encore.
5: Uh, I'm going to plug the, the uh, one of our modules that's going to come out this year, hopefully, uh, the Univer Inter, the compact and powerful usb midi interface oh hell after. yeah
0: that sounds very nice looking forward to that cool thank you marcus how are you uh check out the blog uh we we took a
4: break this week so we could focus on uh everything that's going on right now uh in the country and around the world but um that'll be returning soon and we have lots of fun posts with weird techniques and good information if you're starting out or if you want to learn new ways to use our modules or other modules you may have
2: and the
0: occasional guest
2: post.
4: Oh yes. Yeah. We have some very cool people. Come on.
0: Yeah. I did one for the pure ruina. So check that out.
2: It was very cool.
0: Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, thank you, Marcus and Chris and Steven, what would you guys like to scream from the modular mountaintops?
2: Reverb, reverber, (laughs) reverber.
3: Yeah. I'm I'm actually really excited about the stuff that we have coming on this year. Um, and obviously all of it's been, um, it's been a complicated year. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. Late, Yeah. Everything is way late. Everything is just like, just a few weeks before all this happened, we actually had like our sort of yearly planning meeting and like two weeks after that happened, just everything on that plan. It's just like, Nope. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I'm actually really excited about all the stuff we're working on. So I'm really hoping that, um, you know, uh, we, can really we can actually get to the point where we can start releasing the stuff we've talked about and start talking about the stuff we haven't uh, told anyone about yet.
2: Um, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of, yes,
3: stuff that I'm really excited about this year. So
0: well, I'm very much looking forward to that. Chris, final word vestibule <laughs> that's a fantastic word <laughs> good word all right that's our show thank you so much for listening thank you to the noise engineering crew for coming on the show please don't forget to check out patchworks after later audio needham woodworks and recovery effects also keep an eye out. i think a new issue of waveform magazines coming out Also, I was recently on the Rat's Nest podcast hosted by Ryan Dunn, so please go check that out. Until next week.